All right. Uh, I would love us uh, to proceed. Uh, my name is Peter Mutwazeje, and uh, I will be uh, leading you in the sharing of the word and, uh, you know, meditating on scripture for purposes of our morning devotion. And you're all most welcome. Uh, I want to believe that the Lord will empower us this morning. I want to believe that the Lord will speak a new word into our spirits, even as we take on to this week. I want to believe that the presence of God will be upon us, irrespective of where you are, and that the Lord will cause us to overcome together as a, as a strong army. So you're welcome. Uh, well, I, I do not consider myself new on this, on this forum, but just in case there are some new people, uh, my name is Peter Mutwazeje. I am a parishioner at All Saints Cathedral. Uh, I am a married man uh, to Rachel. Rachel is my dear wife. The Lord has blessed us with children. Uh, our eldest is now joining a senior one. And uh, the Lord has been good to us. Um, I work at DFCU Bank. And... Uh, I participate in several ministries at All Saints Cathedral, including uh, worship and, uh, and others as the Lord enables me. And so I am more than grateful and I feel honored that uh, I am the speaker I'm sharing with you this morning concerning the word of God. There is a lot that has been happening. Uh, the spiritual temper temperature of uh, of uh, all saints and of this place is not the same because the Lord is doing great things among us. It's important that you, you identify where you, where you fit and that the Lord will bless you there and cause you to grow in your love for him and, uh, and the love for one another. So it, I, I, I bless the Lord for this opportunity. I have uh, taken over both um, the moderation and uh, and the speaking, but uh, if the moderator is on and they wish to uh, interject and guide accordingly, please let me know so that uh, I am able to uh, give you space. But right now, I propose that we continue into the sharing uh, so that uh, we maximize our time. Hallelujah. All right, so this morning our sharing uh, is about the word, the word, the power to build. That is our topic for those of you that follow these topics, as the Lord has enabled us to share in several of them. Uh, the word, the power to build, the word, the power to build. And I speak from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 20. Uh, we'll use verse 31 and verse 32. Father, we thank you once again because the entrance of your word brings revelation, brings light, brings understanding. Lord, I pray that even as we share in this word, some new revelation will come upon your people in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We clear every, every airwave. We clear the space that the landing of your word shall be smooth in Jesus' name. 
Amen. All right. So in the book of Acts, chapter 20, and from verse 31 to verse 32 is where our portion of scripture for reflection this morning is picked. And uh, I used NIV. So in verse 31 of, of, of uh, Acts 20 says, so be on your guard. Remember that for remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Hallelujah. Very powerful word. <laughs> But maybe just to put it into context, uh, we see Paul. This is uh, Paul giving a farewell message. And uh, he's, he's speaking to the elders of the church in Ephesus. Hallelujah. You know, yesterday, uh, one of our priests was uh, saying farewell to us uh, after they were transferred to another uh, workstation. And uh, I could, right now, I am just relating the two. Some, you know, uh, Paul was leaving and headed to Jerusalem, but he had time with the elders and the church, and he, he spoke so deep things and encouraged them. And uh, I know yesterday uh, someone was giving their, their farewell, someone, they, they also, you know, gave us, words that are supposed to be taken seriously and, you know, considered as farewell message. So Paul, Paul was also giving a farewell message uh, to, the, to the church, to the elders of the church in Ephesus. And uh, when you read some verses behind, uh, before you get to this portion, um, he had had a, a meeting, like a farewell meeting through the night, he talked and talked and talked up, you know, up to midnight. <laughs> it's amazing. Paul, uh, as he was giving his uh, final kind of remarks before leaving this fellowship, uh, you will find this in Acts 20. If you pick it from, uh, for example, verse 7, from verse 7, he says, On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. And there were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Verse 9, seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. <laughs> Paul, Paul talked and talked until past midnight and the young man who was seated on the window was overcome by sleep and fell. So verse 10 says, Paul went down threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said, he is alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. Oh, oh. overnights! Overnights is not a new thing. Even in the days of Paul, 
uh, we see him talking deep into the night. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. So that's, that's the background uh, before this. But now, when you move further to verse 22, he speaks passionately and he says, and now compelled by the spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Oh, very deep words that draw your attention to the state of Paul. He's saying, I am compelled by the Spirit. I am going to get Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life uh, worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Hallelujah. So Paul is, is both encouraging, is both uh, is speaking uh, words that are meant to, to, to strengthen the fellowship. So you read verse 31 and 32, which are the, our major focus, uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 31 and 32. You read those verses and it is a powerful, on one hand, it is a powerful warning because he says, watch out. He gives a caution. It is a powerful warning, but it also a great commissioning, commissioning of a church, commissioning of of, of brethren, commissioning of elders and telling them, I am out of here, but please, you have what it takes. Let not this, you know, be the end. So he's commissioning uh, to the believers in Ephesus, uh, but he introduces a, another very powerful concept, which is what we are going to focus on. He, he In his remarks, he, he uses some words that are of great interest to us this morning. He says, so be on your guard. Hallelujah. Be on your guard. That is, that is a critical warning. Be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each, uh, each of you night and day with tears. What was Paul warning them about? He was, we will discover that shortly. Now, in 32, he says, now I commit you to God. Hallelujah. These are great words of farewell. These are great words of, of bye-bye. He says, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. Hallelujah. Which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. He introduces the concept of the word, the word, he calls it the word of his grace, which can build you up. Hey, a new word, a new concept that the word can build you up. And that is our focus this morning. Hallelujah. So we will unpack, unpack uh, these this two verses that Paul is talking about. Number one, uh, which I want us to take note of, he and NLT uses the word, watch out. Eh? And the other versions say, so be on your guard. Be on your guard. 
and uh, I, I love NLT's version. It says, watch out, watch out, be on your guard, be alert. And, and he's talking about guarding against falsehood, guarding against false teachers, guarding against deception, guarding against uh, tendencies that are likely to corrupt their understanding of the word. He's saying, watch out. I have warned you I have, for three years. I have never stopped warning each one of you, even with tears. Be on your watch. Guard. Now, why is it very important that we must guard? First and foremost, the word of God. We must know the word of God. Before I even go very far, I must emphasize this. Because when you know the word of God, then you can guard against falsehood. Now, I mentioned to you that I work with a bank. And uh, you all know that banks deal with, uh, with money, with currency. So there are people who uh, do bichupuri or, or counterfeit notes. For you to understand that this note is a counterfeit, you must have had an understanding or have seen or have uh, properly uh, seen the features of a genuine note. It is very hard for you to say that this is a, a fake note if you have no idea of how a genuine one looks like. And so actually most people like who have not handled dollars, maybe Ugandan shillings, it's very easy. But if you have not dealt with dollars, it, it might be very hard or any other currency. It might be very hard for you to discern and say this is a fake or this is a genuine. So the same applies to the word of God. When Paul is saying so, guard yourselves. Watch. Be on your guard. Guard against falsehood. He, he uses words that uh, uh, are meant to awaken us. For example, in verse, uh, if I may pick it up from verse 28. Verse 28 says, so guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. You see, Paul's warning is that I am leaving, but I know there are people who are going to confuse you. They are wolves. They are, they, the Bible calls them like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. So the only way you can survive this kind of attack in, that, that attacks believers with falsehood, and we have a lot of it in this country, is by you guarding yourself with the word, the word of God. Do you know the word of God? Have you taken time to study the word of God? Have you, for example, if I may challenge, have you read through the word? Have you read through the Bible? So any Christian who does not know the position of the word of God on a matter is very vulnerable. You must know the position of the Bible on a matter. What is the position of the Bible on marriage? 
What is the position of the Bible on divorce? What is the position of the Bible on raising children? What is the position of the Bible on, on many aspects? You must have a position because right now, if you do not have a position that is biblical, that is based on scripture, anyone can swing you either way. I, there's one I, 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 I encountered. It's a common one for those of you that uh, uh, speak Runyankore Ruchiga. They say, Akasinje no keha. <laughs> Meaning that you decide to have your own peace. Eh? No one should dictate on you to have peace. You choose to have peace. It sounds like a good statement <laughs> eh? that, that you should... You should give yourself a peace of mind. I mean, it sounds a correct phrase, but it's not biblical because we know the Prince of Peace. We know the one who brings peace. Trust me, if you do not have Jesus, you can pretend to be at peace, but you are not at peace. So if you do not know the biblical position on a matter, people will suggest certain things and they will sound correct. You are all familiar with this uh, uh, concoction that uh, God helps those who help themselves. I hear it a lot, even amongst believers. But on what basis? You, you, it is not qualified by scripture. And so any Christian who does not know the position of the word of God on a matter, on any matter, you are vulnerable because you are likely to be in error. And uh, the cultic teachings have taken advantage of people. Uh, they just tweak a slight bit of the word and, and off you go. You, many of you on the call might know how the, the Jehovah's Witnesses have uh, tweaked a bit of scripture. Uh, I, I have not read their entire Bible, but I know that first uh, in the John chapter 1, verse 1, they tweaked that verse. Because whereas we read it as in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, they have tweaked it to say, and the word was a God. Meaning there were several gods. The word was a God. If you are not alert, they get you off and they visit your homes when you're not there. They speak to, your, to the people at home when you're not there. So if you do not know the word, trust me, you will not be able to guard against falsehood. That is the first thing I thought we should understand this morning, understand the word, even the misappropriation of scripture. People play around with scripture in the way they punctuate it, in the way they emphasize it for purposes of misleading. You must know the word. And in many instances, uh, Jesus would say, it is written. We know that some of the famous ones, he says, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of, of thieves. It, he would say, it is written, because he understood, he would be quoting what is written. Uh, in another context, he says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of, of God. You know, after temptation from the enemy, he would quote scripture. And whenever the enemy would also want to fight back by quoting and trying to misappropriate scripture, he would fire back. He said, it is also written. Yes, you shall serve the Lord your God. And, and, and uh, 
So without belaboring this point, we must understand. And at this point, we, we, I want to commend the, the Anglican Church. The Anglican Church has allowed people to interface with the Bible. Unless you don't want, unless you're, you're adamant, you don't want to be part of Bible study, or you don't want to share in the word, but the, 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 the Anglican Church has allowed people to interface with the scripture. I know of, of uh, religious affiliations where they, 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 they kind of hoard, they keep away scripture from the parishioner. They, they, are, they, they have monopoly over the, their books of faith. Not everyone can preach. Not everyone can access the word. And, and, and so, but gradually, let me tell you, some of our, our friends in the Catholic Church that have accessed and understood the Bible, their lives have changed compared to those that only wait to be to, for someone to just read it, a portion of it, and, and, and pack the Bible. The people that have been exposed to the word have, are better Christians the people that have understood what the Bible says are better Christians. And even in other, uh, you know, other faith, I mean, not every Muslim can, can share what is in the Quran. You must have been a, a certain category. But I thank God that in this, my church, there has been this uh, uh, freedom, this ability to allow people to access the word, to share the word whether in a home fellowship, whether in any context, please, if you're ignorant about the word, it is your challenge now because the access is guaranteed, is there. I must make a strong point here. We must not make our congregations shallow. We must not spoon feed our congregations. We will end up with childish Christians they do not have an understanding of what the Bible says. So they are tossed back and forth by every wind of doctrine. They are old in years, but they are shallow. They are spoon-fed. I don't like the spoon-feeding because it yields a... a, 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 a. Anyway, let me not uh, overdwell on that. Number two, we have seen that once we have the word, the word, the power of the word, we are able to uh, guard against uh, wrong teaching, falsehood, and anything. Number two, the word, which Paul says, it can build you up. The word of God can build you up. The word of God, number two, has nourishment. The word of God can nourish you. So if you're writing, number two is nourishment. The word of God has spiritual nutrients, if you want to put it that way. The word of God has a balanced diet, a spiritual balanced diet. So just like we read, we studied in P4, uh, I trust many of you studied, you know, how they would describe proteins, uh, bodybuilding foods, eh? proteins, proteins. So I, I, I tried to look out for how the proteins help the body. And I found out proteins are extremely important in the body. They form bones, tissue, muscle, teeth, etc. So 
Now, when Paul says, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up. He's talking about the, new, the, the, the nourishment potential of the word of God. In fact, Peter, first Peter, first Peter chapter two, verse two puts it differently. Peter says, as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. That is KJV. And I, I found another version which puts it even more, <laughs> more, more interestingly. Eh? The Amplified Bible, the classic edition. It says, like newborn babies, you should crave, thirst for, earnestly desire the pure and adulterated spiritual milk that by it you may be nurtured and grow unto completed salvation. Hallelujah. I'll read it again. Like newborn babies, you should crave, thirst for, earnestly desire the pure and adulterated spiritual milk that by it you may be nurtured and grow unto completed salvation. Hallelujah. So there is a way the word of God is contrasted with milk. Like babies, you take the milk for nourishment. The word of God has capacity to nourish you spiritually. Actually, the writer of Hebrews takes it a notch higher. He's a bit harsh, but he, he, he paints a picture for us to understand the importance of the word in the life of a believer. In, verse, in chapter 5 of Hebrews, from verse 12, he says, You have been... Believers so long, this is New Living Translation, you have been believers so long, now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. Very tough, <laughs> very tough. He's saying you have been a believer for a long time. By now you should be teaching others but you still need someone to teach you the basic things about God's word. And says, you are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and does not uh, know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. He, he puts it a notch higher and he says, no, eh? you should take the milk, yes, but there's a time when you should advance from the milk. There's a time when you should advance to solid food in terms of the word of God. He's, he's saying by now, by the way, there are things we do uh, 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 in some of our fellowships and uh, they, they look like uh, we, we are trying to, to spoon feed. We are still trying to babysit. We are still trying to, you know, to, to nurture. But it cannot go on like that. It is expected that the word of God, the nourishment from the word of God should make me grow, should make me mature, should make me graduate from milk to solid food, should make me graduate from a student to a teacher, should make me graduate from the one who is who is seeking help to the one who is offering help. All that from the word of God. It has capacity 
to build you as a believer. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, sometimes it is quite embarrassing uh, in some of uh, the weddings that uh, we attend. I, I, I sing in the choir, so we sing in many weddings. And uh, it's embarrassing sometimes you find in the wedding this nice looking, uh, you know, maybe cousin to the bride, you know, dressed to kill, is selected to take the reading on the on that uh, on the wedding uh maybe because she's she's confident and she has an accent uh but from her reading of the word you can tell that the bible is very foreign to her from the way she reads from the mistakes she makes you can tell that she's just reading for the function for the camera she is not part she's not engrossed in the word and that is very unfortunate because the word has capacity to bring nourishment. That's our point number two, which Paul, Paul, Paul points out to us. Hallelujah. Number three that we see in these remarks that Paul is making to the church uh, in Ephesus, to the elders in particular, his, his remarks as he leaves them to go to Jerusalem. If you've just joined us, we are sharing from the book of Acts chapter 20, and we're using verse 31 and 32 as, uh, as our focus for this morning. And these are remarks that Paul is giving to the elders in Ephesus and is challenging them on how they, how they ought to live. Um, maybe just to, just to bring you up to speed, he, say, he tells them, so be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul introduces words that we are uh, interrogating this morning. He introduces words that we are breaking down to understand how they benefit the believer. One of them, the one we have just talked about, is when he says, so be on your guard. That is, we dwelt a bit on that. Watch out. What am I watching out against? Watch out against falsehood and false teaching. And he also says, the word of God, or the word of his grace, which can build you up. The word of God has uh, potential, nourishment potential, balanced that to build you up. Just like uh, we, we, we know that uh, we need bodybuilding foods even as we grow in the in the physical. So that, those are the two things, just in case you've just joined us, the, the two things that we have just talked about. But number three, which Paul introduces in this in this uh, in his sermon, is the word sanctification. He uses the word those who are sanctified. Hallelujah. This is uh, this is uh, a word that is not. If you have not studied it deeply, you may not uh, appreciate that it is a rich word. Sanctification is closely associated with holiness and justification. And uh, maybe justification is also a hard word, but justification is being exonerated, you know, just as though you, were, you have never sinned. You have been justified. You have been cleared of your sin. So the word sanctification is associated with the holiness 
and justification. It expresses both the state in which Christians exist and the process of becoming holy that, that takes place throughout life. So for you to understand sanctification, you need to, to, to understand how Jesus used the word. Uh, for example, Jesus is praying for his disciples. You will find this in John chapter 17 uh, from verse 15. Jesus is praying for disciples. And uh, in verse 15, he prays to God and he says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world. Even us are not of it. This is NIV. They are not of the world, even as I'm not of it. Verse 17, which I am I'm interested in, he says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus prays for his disciples and he asks God to sanctify them by the word, to sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So we see another uh, potent power within the word that the word can build us up. The word has capacity to sanctify us, to clear us of guilt. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, the word. Oh, maybe let me use another example. Another example is found in John chapter 15. Just a, a few chapters behind. John chapter 15, verse 3, and Jesus is talking about uh, the fact that he's the true vine, and he says the Father is the gardener. You know that portion of scripture. And he says, if you remain in me, I remain in you. But in verse 3, he makes a very profound statement. He tells his listeners that you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Hallelujah. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Meaning the word I have spoken to you has cleansed you. The word I have spoken to you has made you uh, pure. The word I have spoken to you has sanctified you. So the word of God, oh, hallelujah. Help me, Jesus. The word of God has capacity to sanctify, has capacity to make clean, has capacity to clear guilt, has capacity to renew you, the word of God. Now, this sanctification that the word of God does, you cannot compare it to what other people do. This sanctification cannot be attained by, by washing your feet, washing your feet and your forehead before you pray. You know, you know people who who must wash before they pray. You know that, that faith. <laughs> they must wash their forehead. They must wash their feet. Sometimes they take out their, their shoes. Eh? You would imagine the feet that are in the shoe are, are cleaner. They take out the shoe and they wash the feet. <laughs> and some just sprinkle water on their forehead as a way of attaining sanctification, as a way of attaining holiness before they go to pray. No, this sanctification 
is not is not attained by how much water you use to wash. <laughs> Hallelujah. This sanctification comes by the word. Yes, there are others uh, who who think they can attain sanctification by bowing down to some statue, yeah, some statue of a lady, and they make a sign of the cross before that statue as a way of sanctifying themselves. No, this sanctification comes by the word. You must interface with the word of God. It has capacity to build. It has capacity to sanctify. It is a very important uh, uh, context, is very important uh, principle that Paul introduces in as far as our interaction with the word of God is concerned. If you're not reading the word of God, if you are not interfacing with the word of God on your personal one-on-one basis, quiet time basis, you're missing out on the sanctification that comes by the word of God. Maybe just to bring it home, just to bring it home, uh, to, to, just to, to strengthen the fact that the word has power to sanctify. We know how they, they do the absolution after we have uh, uh, gone through that prayer of repentance. The, priests, the priest gives us an absolution. And I, I trust uh, Anglicans would know that word, an absolution. So he uses words like, may the almighty God who forgives all who truly repent have mercy upon you, pardon you and deliver you from all your sins confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and keep you in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Those are just, those are words. Those are, you might say they are words just spoken by a priest, but trust me, those words are powerful. They have capacity to clear you of guilt. They have capacity to clear you of your uh, conscience that is troubling you. It's only that we take it as routine, as a religious routine, and we do not appropriate it the way it is supposed to be. But an absolution is, is meant to clear you of guilt, is meant to clear you of, of, of self-condemnation. The absolution, if you sincerely repent <clears throat> and the priest gives an absolution, you're cleared. The word has sanctified you. Hallelujah. So, if you're not in interaction with the word, you're missing out. Sometimes you read the verse and you feel cleared of guilt. You read the verse, for example, that says, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When the enemy has been heaping condemnation over your shoulders, you even feel a physical burden over your shoulders of condemnation. And the word comes. The word clears you. The word sanctifies you. Hallelujah. Yes, I, I must run quickly and end. Uh, I have one or two more things that uh, Paul introduces in uh, this portion of scripture that we are focusing on. He introduces the word inheritance. Hallelujah. He introduces the word, maybe not introducing, but he it, it, it becomes alive once again. In the, in the New Testament says, he says, uh, and I have been reading this over and over, but let me read it once more. 
the verse 32 of Acts 20. He says, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up. We have talked about that. Then he says, and give you an inheritance. Hallelujah. <laughs> that the word of God can give me an inheritance. This is exciting. This is exciting. If you are told that uh, you have an inheritance in a will, you would want to read that will from cover to cover and establish the inheritance that you have in that will. And so it is with the word of God. The word of God gives a believer inheritance, inheritance. And uh, there's a, a scripture, one of my favorite verses, my favorite scriptures is Ephesians chapter 4 uh, from verse 13. We did this a uh, lot in, uh, in the Bible study and I even crammed it or, you know, memorized it. It, it, it says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. Eh? When you heard the word, you hear that. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Hallelujah. So, that when you received Christ, first of all, when you heard the word and you received, you received that word and you gave your life to Christ, yes, a seal was put on you. Some of you have seals in your offices. A seal is like a stamp, but when you put it in a paper, it, 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 uh, it becomes engraved on the paper. It, you cannot remove it. So once the seal has been put on you, it, it, the Bible says it is a seal. The, the, when you believed you are marked in him with a seal, the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, is a deposit guaranteeing. Eh? I, I, I mean, there are many examples I could use, but uh, maybe not, in, not now. But that you, you have an inheritance that the Holy Spirit has been deposited to guarantee that you will receive that inheritance. Hallelujah. So it is through the word of God that you begin to retrieve your inheritance as a child of God. It is building you up. Your hope is restored. Your future is guaranteed. Uh, if you read Matthew, you know, Jesus, you know, doing a great teaching here. And, and says, uh, Matthew chapter 25, from verse 31 to 34, he said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. But listen to this. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. It is in the word of God that we begin to retrieve, that we begin to pick out our inheritance in the word of God. 
it builds you up. It gives you an inheritance. Hallelujah. Even in the traditional sense, you know, if I'm to speak like uh, an African or a traditional cultural man, in every tradition and culture across the world, people treasure the last words of a dying person, especially if the person is a parent. Why? Because in that word, that last word that the person is saying on their deathbed, just one word, it could guarantee you a fortune. It could guarantee you an inheritance. Oh, yes. So when someone is, is on their deathbed, they call all the children. They say, come, because you never know. In the dying moment, oh, a word could be said. And trust me, people will respect that word. So if in the carnal sense, we respect the word because it can guarantee us inheritance, how much more the word of God? Hallelujah. I must uh, bring this to a close. Uh, we have looked at several things, four things in, in particular, and I want to conclude with this one. The sustainability aspect of the word of God. Now, many of you in corporate uh, in corporate. Uh, governance, you know that sustainability is now the, 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 the hot cake. Sustainability is the hot topic in, in corporate governance because you must ensure there's a sustainability plan that what you are doing right now, whether you are a bank, whether you are a, a manufacturer, that you can guarantee sustainability of your business for many years. Because now we have seen effects of climate change. We have seen other things that have threatened sustainability. So in the corporate world, people are earning big if you are a sustainability expert. If you claim that you can guarantee sustainability of the company, then they pay you heavily <laughs> because you, you are as if a prophet. <laughs> All right? But the word of God ensures sustainability. For a believer, oh, hallelujah, I wish I could uh, labor on this more. Because the Bible tells us that heaven and earth will pass away. But the word, the word of God will never pass away. You can guarantee, you can be sure that for sustainability purposes, the word of God will sustain you, will sustain you. Doesn't uh, uh, John 1 Chapter 1, verse 1, the, the, the verse I alluded to, does it, it say, I'm going to use KJV, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not, was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So, as I conclude, if you're seeking to guard against falsehood, you need the word of God. Hallelujah. If you're seeking to have spiritual nourishment and not be stunted spiritually, you need the word of God. Hallelujah. Yes. If you need the sanctification, the cleanliness that comes from the word of God, you need the word of God. It's, it clears you. Many and many people struggle 
even when you call people for deliverance, you will find there are past things that have haunted them over and over. But the word of God has capacity to sanctify us. And uh, also the word of God gives us an inheritance. It assures us, assures us, it assures us of what has been uh, won for us on the cross by Jesus as our inheritance. And lastly, the word of God has the capacity to sustain us. The sustainability agenda is in the word of God. And so friends, I, I, I draw you to the attention of what Christ has done for us on the cross, that when we come to him as believers, we, we may start with milk, but we graduate from milk, we begin to be nourished, we begin to grow in the word, we begin to be spiritually powerful, we begin to impact nations because the word of God has power, has capacity to build us as believers. And beyond that, we can even do exploits like the word says. May God bless you this morning. Just, just seek time to dwell in the word more and more. And, and, and may God bless you even as you delve into your day. God bless you.